Welcome back to Deep Dive with Shane and Amy. I'm Amy. I'm Shane. And we are so excited that you are with us this evening. So this week we're going to be talking about Easter, about resurrection and ascension. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. Well, this is an interesting new format for us. We're actually streaming this live. And so if you're participating with us live, make sure to... uh, add likes and comments and shares and all those things. I know some of you just join us via podcast. Obviously, you can't do that. You can like, subscribe, share with your friends, even the podcast version of this. Uh, but if you're joining with us live, make sure to uh, let us know you're here. Uh, tell us uh, what you're reacting to and, and, and what sort of tickles your fancy. And uh, share us with your friends. That way it gets out there and people, we think people can in, enjoy this, hopefully. Hopefully we're not annoying people. That's the hope, you know. Um yeah, so make sure and do that this this evening here on Deep Dive Live. So uh, this week, I don't know if people realized that this last Sunday there were actually, well, maybe we would say it was three sermons, but it wasn't really three sermons. It was one sermon. Amy and I have been talking for weeks about how do we do this? How do we tackle this text? Particularly because the the, the heroine of this story, by use of the word heroine, is a woman. And I just, I said to Amy weeks ago, I am not preaching an Easter sermon where the hero is a woman. I'm not doing that. Uh, and, and so we, we talked about that, but what we decided to do was take that big chunk of scripture there, that John 20, uh, 1 through 18, and, and break it into three sections. And I don't know if people necessarily realize that because we didn't read scripture as normal, um, but we talked about this story and its breakdown. And so, Amy, you took the first part there, um, which was Mary going to the tomb early in the morning. And, and the scripture is not really explicit in telling us why she went there. And so you you talk through some reasons why she might have gone. I, I had mentioned it a little bit in mine, um, but I was wondering if there was anything else you wanted to add about that first segment, because it just kind of gets the ball rolling for us. Sure, absolutely. And one of the interesting things I think for us this year is Easter looked different than it ever has in our, mm-hmm. in our lifetime. And I, it felt like as I was reading the scripture this past week, that it was kind of the that this story in John is kind of the perfect intro into Easter for us too, because Mary arrives on that day with uncertainty, um, with grief, uh, with all kinds of emotion, and I just felt like that was how for many they were arriving at Easter this year too. So it just felt like a perfect invitation into the story, and I always think it's interesting if we can suspend in our minds just for a few minutes that we know everything that's coming. Um, So in this instance, everything that's coming in John 20, everything that's coming in the last 2000 years, can we just suspend that for just a second? And this just felt like the perfect invitation into that to me. Yeah, I I can't agree anymore because that's I feel particularly as someone who grew up in the church has, you know, now made it my profession to lead in a church. uh, It's hard for me to remember. I don't even know if there was a before faith time. So even within that context, it's hard to even remember, like, how do we have the new eyes, the new ears to hear that sort of intentional naivety about the text? But I don't. 
I really can't imagine a better scenario to sort of imagine that than what we've found ourselves in accidentally. Yeah, um, ab- yeah. absolutely. So at Christmas and at Easter, most of the time when I'm reading, I say, you know, as best you can, please listen with those new ears. Like this is a, a new story. And for me, approaching the text last week and preparing to preach for it, I feel like for the really the first time ever, I was able to get that myself. A little bit because I I came as we all did to Easter in a very different place than we ever have before. Yeah, and I know we tried to get at this with our Holy Week services, but one of the things I was reminded of this year, not only because of the context of where we are stuck at home, but because I had the benefit of actually being able to to be in Jerusalem this past summer and to to be in a lot of these physical places. We 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 didn't go to Bethany. Um, but we were we were on the Mount of Olives. We were at Gethsemane. We were in the sort of Jesuit quarter where they believe the Passover meal, the upper room of Jesus, would have taken place. We were at the Jaffa Gate. We were all these places. But one of the things it, it has struck me this year, particularly because of being at home, is the compactness of the schedule, and that there is a certain degree of scandal even beyond just the death of the Messiah. But but um, it, you know, you go from being hailed to being killed. And, you know, I'm struck by every year reading those words of Pilate when he's arguing with the crowds that Pilate is not invested in killing him. Uh, He sees no reason. Pilate, to some degree, comes across as a virtuous figure in this, at least at first. And he literally kills them just to appease them um, to, you know, he knows it's a sham, but he's willing to do it in order to keep the peace. And um What's so interesting is if we understand the timing of the Jewish Sabbath and the timing of Jesus's death, you know, he's he's dying, what, you know, what, three o'clock in the afternoon, um, you know, here, this is the sun is going down, you know, and so Jesus has to get taken down from this cross and put in this grave, probably in an hour and a half, two hour scenario. And so the idea that Mary in, in certain other narratives, it, it says he, the women are going to do spices and things like that, that the idea really struck me as like, oh, yeah they were probably just able to get him in that grave under the wire. Now, the reality is if we believe these things are true in terms of where Golgotha was and where Jesus's tomb, they're not far from each other. And we, I think there's good archaeological evidence to say that Golgotha is right there by this gate and the Church of the Holy Sepulcher, which is where we say Jesus's tomb is. I mean, they're a hundred yards from each other. If you're actually there, they're part of the same building. It's this giant building contested by a bunch of different sects and religions. Um, And so, but even within that short distance, Jesus's baptism probably wasn't done in an ideal way because of what was going on. And so that, that adds to that context to me of like, Oh, that makes all the sense in the world. Why Mary is going there. That makes all the sense why they're super worried because it, it, it just, there wouldn't have been anything about that that was normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And the one thing I didn't pick up on on that first section was that um, it may have been dangerous for her to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and I didn't lift that up at all in the sermon, but it was probably very dangerous for her to go out, and especially at dark, right? I mean, so that, so it's mm-hmm. probably sometime between like 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. I read last week. So, mm-hmm. I mean, truly dark outside. And she's a woman by herself. So I'd love to move on to your section um, now. So you had that middle section where Mary runs and, and tells the disciples. We have Peter and then the disciple who Jesus loved hearing this news. And they um, go on this foot race, basically, to the tomb. 
And go ahead. Oh, yeah. I, I was just going to say, we were talking before this, Amy, Amy was raising some interesting points. I didn't pick up on, at all in this in my portion, but um, in terms of just the raw words of the text, there's nothing there. It just says disciple. Um, mm-hmm. But there's some assumptions on commentators that that could have actually been John himself, the who is often called the disciple whom Jesus loved. Um, what's interesting is, and this I think this furthers to strengthen this point, because that, this has come across in some of my reading for this Sunday sermon, which has to do, it's the traditional doubting Thomas text, you know, Um is that the who who authors see as the main characters are very different in John. You know, like Peter and Andrew are very much minimized in John, whereas the other, what we often call synoptic gospels, are much higher. Can you hold just one second? Uh, we're going to have to do this live because I have a cat that is destroying Easter eggs in the oh, background no. right now. So <laughs> let's just, I'll be, we'll be right back with you, folks. Uh, Amy, can you talk a little bit more about that, about the disciple Jesus love? Why stop a cat from destroying Easter eggs? I definitely can pick up right there. So so this is actually a really interesting uh, kind of theory and, and actually imparts a little bit of humor to the text here, I think. So one of the reasons why people think it's John is just kind of historically we've assumed that this disciple is is John. But if, if we're thinking that John is the author of this gospel in some way, or these stories have been handed down um, from this person and then written down, it would have been very traditional not to speak of yourself um, in the writing. So we have this anonymity coming here um, and John or this, this disciple who Jesus loved um, kind of becomes the hero in this foot race that they have. Mm-hmm. One of the things that struck me by uh, moving on a little more into the text was that um, I, I use the word ascension, maybe, and maybe we can get back to that a little bit. But when they arrive at the tomb, they go in. It's an odd scene. I described a little bit about the tomb. It's this two chamber. They work their way in the back. Peter goes in first. Uh, he gets to the back, and there's this rolled-up head covering. Now, th- there's been a lot of writing about what that means. I think it's overblown because it's often taken from, like, Mishnahs and things that are not part of our oral tradition. So um, I think it's important to remember they've seen a resurrection. Mm-hmm. I, and it's really important. And, and not that long ago, um, they've seen a resurrection. And to them, a resurrection looks very differently. So in their mind, their expectation, what a Jesus resurrection is going to look like, is going to look like Lazarus's expectation that he's going to come out, he's struggling, he's going to be stinking. Is it, there's going to be a, it's going to be a mess. Um, and so when they see this scene, their mind doesn't think, oh, our Savior is resurrected. I think in their mind, they're thinking, oh, this Messiah He's just gone straight to God. He's not going to do this whole body decomposing thing. He's just going straight to God. So that's where I think it might have been a little confusing to use the word ascension because we say that we think Jesus on top of the hill going up in the clouds. But within the larger context of the faith, ascension uh, could describe the the occurrences of like uh, Elijah, you know, taken on the chariot of fire up to heaven on Enoch. You know, I mentioned both of these in the sermon. If you were to go back and, you know, pick up your Bible and read both those stories, maybe not so much with Enoch, but Elijah and Elisha, that story is definitely described as an ascension. And so I think in their minds, they thought, oh, this makes sense. He's the Messiah. He's the he's the Son of Man. He's the Holy One. 
uh, they didn't understand the resurrection part. It literally says that, you know, Jesus says, <laughs> says that, you know, they don't understand that. Or John says that later as a, as a note. But um, I do think that is really interesting how like they get it, but they don't. Um, and what, and that's, what's so powerful when we transition more to Mary who comes next is that, you know, they go share their experience, but Mary has a radically different experience where she can say something foundationally different to them, which is that phrase Amy used over and over is I have seen the Lord. So you go on and develop more of that and talking about how we now can say that phrase. That's, you know, we, we describe that now and, and you did so, so well in your sermon is that's the first Easter sermon. In fact, that might even be the first Christian sermon. I have seen the Lord. And that is, um, that's an affirmation of faith we can make now. It's so interesting that the very first affirmation of the church, all that was required of the way was just to say, Jesus is Lord, uh-huh. you know, Jesus is Lord and I've seen him. So, you talked about ways that we could say that, or, or maybe not even specifically, but could you say, I have seen mm-hmm. the Lord. And so I'm wondering if you could tease that out a little bit about what that means, because we're not talking, you know, the light has refracted off of Jesus into our eyeballs and we have seen literally seen <laughs> Jesus. But what does that mean for us to say, I have seen the Lord? Yeah. So I think this is where kind of poetic language can be so incredibly meaningful for us because I'm not talking literally. I mean, you've already raised that. For me, it was kind of all of those instances and so many more that I raised up in the sermon, like when you're listening to just a beautiful piece of music. I mean, so when you when you are engulfed in grace and love and peace, those are the moments I think that we could say, I have seen the Lord because everything, even if it's just for the smallest moment, everything just feels like you belong and you are in you are in the everlasting arms <laughs> would would be actually where I would go with that. And that's actually a reference to Frederick Beekner. So so he picks that up. So just those moments where even though it is chaos around us, if there are moments of peace then those are moments to me that we can see the Lord. And and I think we can do that for each other, which is why I ended the whole sermon the way I did. I have seen the Lord. I've seen the risen Christ in you because I think we can help others experience those moments, not because we bring them, but because God works through each and every one of us. Mm -hmm. We are the body of Christ. Um, so yeah, that's much, that's much more the way I, I began to understand, or in that moment, I understood it as how are the ways I see the Lord by you acting on behalf of the Lord yes. or, 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 you know, to use a phrase I, I know that I use a lot is where, where do I see God's kingdom breaking uh-huh. in, you know, and, you know, to just, to put a very practical example on it about an experience where I've had, where I was like, Ooh, I see the Lord. It was, um, uh, a video I just saw, and it was of, I, and I believe this was at St. Beth Israel, or in Beth Israel in Boston, where they've been celebrating COVID patients being released. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of the medical staff lined up. Somebody comes in COVID positive, they've been on a ventilator, but then they're being released. And they do this whole, like, parade in the lobby, you know, with, like, banners and hand them a flower. And they're, and they're using, you know, just this collective excitement. Uh, about, uh, to me, I can't help but thinking it's like 
it's, you know, it's the angels celebrating at the one lost being found and uh, just celebrating something like that. I look at that and be like, oh, I've seen the Lord. I've right. seen God reflected in, in, in just humanity being at its best in that moment. And to me, to me, if somebody wanted a real practical example of that, I, to me, I, I, I couldn't help but watch that and see the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, those are the kind of moments that I think that move us to tears a lot of times because the emotion wells up and not that everything is based on emotion, but just that overwhelming sense that you, you are experiencing God um, in mm-hmm. those moments, I think is so powerful. Yeah, so the, the very last thing and I wanted to get to with your, your portion is also the idea of Easter is just the beginning. That's that's a phrase, it, you know, if I were to describe the last portion of sermon, the two phrases is I've seen the Lord and Easter is just the beginning. So flesh that out for us a little bit. What's at the beginning of? Yeah, so I think that this is wonderful to t- talk a little bit about kind of the way the church year flows too <laughs> for us. So, you know, we have Lent leading up to Easter and then we have the season of Easter. And when I was working a whole lot with children, I would always say um, Easter is not one day because the joy of Easter is so big that one day can't hold it, that we we have to stretch it out over all of these weeks and weeks. And I think that can teach us something too, just in this particular season, but also, like I said, all the days of our lives. Easter is coming because God is always being revealed to us. God's resurrection, Jesus's resurrection is always inviting us to new life, not just one day um, and not just the memory of that one day, but all the days that we wake up, um, we are invited to remember and to go and live that um, new life that is offered to us. Yeah, we've we've uh, we've been reminding our daughter uh, that Easter is a season and she is choosing to celebrate that by having daily Easter egg hunts. Ah. So we, we've been hunting eggs, which is why I had to get up a second ago and get one for our cat because there are still some hidden that, that we have not found that we've been celebrating every day. It is interesting because it, it mirrors, we talk about Advent mirroring Lent yes. um, and Christmas mirroring Easter, uh, mirroring Easter because Christmas is 12 days. Easter gets 50 yep. Um, you know, which is pretty exciting. Another thing I thought of is in this, I think this dovetails really well into where we're going this Sunday because we're starting a new worship series called Foundations. And so if you think about if, if you know, and I'm doing a little reading this week in the history of the church, what's happening with the rhythm and the timing there is that 50 days after Easter were often used as a really just sort of what are the basics of the faith teaching time on the, in preparation for Pentecost. So, you know, that's the next sort of big church event, the birthday of the church, 50 days after Easter. Um, And so uh, that's what this series is focusing on. It's just called Foundation. So this week we're dealing with the, uh, the what's traditionally called the Doubting Thomas story, although I wish that would be renamed yes. because it's <laughs> – and you're going to you're going to hear my passion about that this Sunday, because I, I think this is a message people need to hear about faith and doubt. And we just need to get out of this business of faith shaming. Um, and and what does faith even mean? Because it's so interesting. I don't want to give away the whole point here, but like Jesus doesn't shame Thomas. Thomas just says what he requires. Jesus gives it to him. 
that, I'm sorry, that's not doubt to me. Yeah. <laughs> that's someone just being honest about what he requires in order to be a disciple, and Jesus gives it to him. I think that has profound uh, implications for the modern church. We're going to get into that Sunday. Don't want to give away the whole thing. I'm excited. But I, I do think I do think that like Easter is just beginning. I, I think is really a really important thing to understand that. So whether if you are someone who's brand new to belief, who's taking those first steps, or whether you're sort of an old pro and you just need a refresher or a recommitment to it, I'm, I'm very excited about where we're going because we're going to talk about those things, about what does it even mean to believe? What does it mean to serve? What does it mean to be called into community? I think those are, those are things we're going to be addressing over the next six weeks. And so we really invite you back this Sunday, which, which leads to a couple other announcements. We're expanding our live streaming this Sunday. We will stream at 1030 AM, but we will also be streaming at 6 p.m. Uh, because our, our audience has grown quite large. We want to make sure to, to give people lots of opportunity to not only view it, but to be a part of the live experience. Because as you know, that is so important. We have so many people commenting and praying and interacting. It's so important to give people an opportunity, not just to view it, but to participate in that. Like we're encouraging you to to tonight, you know, to comment and share what you're thinking about things and why we're interacting with you as this thing is, is live streaming. So that's really important. We're also adding a lot of children's elements in worship this Sunday. Um, where, you know, we're going to be doing some books. We're going to be doing some downloadable resources and it's an expansion of how we see worship happening in this interesting <laughs> live streaming era. And obviously this is new. This is new tonight. Uh, this is new to us. And this is something we ought to keep doing because we just, we had a wonderful time last week at Holy Week. You know, it might've been a bit much to do a new service every single night. I don't know about you, Amy, but at the end of the week, I, I slept for 13 hours yeah. on Sunday night. So. <laughs> yeah, I think I got about 10. So <laughs> yeah. Well, if, you, uh, if you'll hang with us just for a second, we're going to take a brief little break and we'll be right back and we're going to share with you some things that we think are going to give you a little bit of joy, some things that you really might have fun with after you get off this live stream tonight that you might dive into and find interesting. So we will be right back. So one of the things that we do as we close out the show every time is lift up some recommendations to you. Sometimes they are funny things that we think you would enjoy seeing. Sometimes they are serious. Sometimes they are a little bit crazy. So I am interested tonight, Shane, what is your first recommendation? Oh, well, mine tonight is just it's. I mean, it's broad and it's, it's a series done on YouTube just called Some Good News. It's hosted by, uh, you might, you might recognize him. It's John Krasinski, who is the star of Jim on The Office. He's been in Jack Ryan on Amazon, uh, you know, most recently of uh, the movie A Quiet Place and the subsequent sequel married to, uh, Emily Blunt from the new Mary Poppins movie. Um, uh, it's delightful. It's essentially just him at home hosting a, a uh, almost like a news program, but it's nothing but just good natured, good fun stuff from the internet. So it, it's, uh, you know, clips from people that have submitted interesting, uplifting stories. And uh, so I, I talked earlier about a video where I saw God, uh, I saw the Lord and it actually came from that. It was a, it was a clip that he was talking to some people at the Beth Israel hospital in Boston and talking about where he'd just seen humanity at its best. He brings in an interview with David Ortiz, one of the you know famous legends of the Boston Red Sox, but they do some funny things with sports. I know we're a lot of us are missing sports right now. I'm a big baseball fan. I'm wearing my Cardinals hat. I'm missing sports. I really wish I could be watching baseball today, 
but I can't. Uh, but, you know, they're just doing some funny highlights with things like that. They're getting Joe Buck to come in and do commentary on people putting away dishes out of the dishwasher. I mean, it's just it's really funny stuff. He does a good job, keeps it nice and tidy. It's like 18, 20 minutes. We'll put a link there uh, in the notes so you can go through and watch that. But he does. I think this is the third episode of it. It's really well watched. I mean, it's like it's only been out a day or two and there's like four million views. It's it's bananas, but it, it's it's lovely. The very first one is worth watching because he has Lin-Manuel Miranda on it and they have the cast do a large portion of the one of the really key Hamilton songs via Zoom, which is just pretty awesome. But if you're just looking for something that's uplifting, if you need that hit of something uplifting and seeing the best in humanity right now, I would commend that to you. It, it's it's great. So this is why I always come with like two recommendations because that was uh-huh. one of mine. Oh, I'm <laughs> so, so it's sorry. A, it's I'm a so sorry. Recommendation for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so my, my other one though um, is this. Uh, you may have seen it already. This is Matthew McConaughey leading a bingo game um, for a <laughs> that's right for a senior yeah. living center, and it <laughs> is so sweet and wonderful. You must go and watch it. I can't recommend it enough to you. <laughs> yeah, that's and I'm sure he's doing it in his just utter Matthew McConaughey-ness. <laughs> I, I don't all know right, that he could right, do we're it. going to do a bingo. I, I yeah, don't know like that he just, could do it any other way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is that even possible him? That he when he plays these odd characters, he just makes you wonder of like, is he even acting or is this just him? It's just him, you know. Yeah, that's great. Um yeah, it, there was interesting. I'm very interested in these times that people are how they're experimenting with this medium of like, we can't be together. So we're going to try to do something different. Um, another thing I commend to you is is um, the the most recent episode Saturday of Saturday Night, Night Live. Live. That was my other we one. Say, was that really? I'm so sorry, Amy. I am stealing all of yours. Like, it's not a perfect thing, but like, it's like, boy, they're really trying we, something we, here. Yeah, it, it was really fun. We enjoy many of the same things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, we have a little bit of a bias here in what we're bringing to you. We need to, we need to get some more oddballs. Out here. So <laughs> That's so funny. We're, um, we, we are in the coming weeks. We are setting up some interviews that we're going to do on these Wednesday nights with some really interesting people. Uh, I know here in the coming weeks, we're talking with someone to talk about how to deal with um, how to handle your mental health during this time. That's an interview coming up. We, we're setting up an interview uh, with some folks I know out in the Seattle, Washington area that are working in a church. Um, it's a church startup out there and how they're managing managing being community throughout this. Um, I, I actually have a call this afternoon to talk with a, a friend of mine who's a seminary professor who's dealing with some of these things that we're hoping to bring here on a deep dive to hear us talk about how do we be church during this time? How do we do faith? How do we care for ourselves and each other during this time? So uh, we're really happy you joined us tonight. Amy, do you got any parting words before we head out tonight? No, I just hope that you'll continue to watch this and then join in on all of our other live streams that we have, particularly on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. Yeah. At six in the evening now. Yeah, we we have not worked out the Hillsboro Presbyterian cat cam yet. But we we both have cats, but maybe we can work that out so you can just watch our cats doing their thing. Which I don't know about yours. Mine just involves involves a lot of sleeping. Yeah, yeah. Um, So yeah, my cat Penelope slept in the closet all day because I think she is tired of us being at home. Our, our daughter tried to dance with our cat last night, and it ended up in a, a, a 
cat attack. So we, we, uh, I think he, his nerves might be a little frayed right now. So we're getting there. So everybody, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we're going to do this every Wednesday night at 6 PM. We'd love to just have you here. Uh, we're just going to try to keep it upbeat like this, share some thoughtful things with you, break down maybe stuff that's happened in this Sunday or this last Sunday, talk about some big, broad topics that we know that you would really enjoy. So, uh, just thanks for joining us. See you next time on deep dive with Shane. I'm Shane. I'm Amy. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.